Bibles, let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, glad it's summer. And in those Bibles you held up, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't checked in today as being here, go to your Facebook webpage and check in. Tell them that you're here and that our new series on prayer is starting today. And they should, it's not too late. <laughs> so if you, if you know how to do all that, do that. It would be awesome. In Matthew 6, where we're going to spend some time this month, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. And we're going to look today at prayer that pleases God. Prayer that pleases God. But I want to read with you together in the Scripture, verses 1 through 15, as we begin. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the New International Version. I'm not sure what version you're using, but it'll be close to what we're saying to each other. Unless you're King James, and then you won't have a thee and a thou and a hast and so forth. But stay with us. It'll be okay. Um, Though mine sounds different, I haven't left the faith. Just stay with me. It's all right. Verse 1, be careful, Jesus says, not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, you, uh, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, And on the street corners, and to be seen by men, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Woo! That's some powerful words, isn't it? Jesus wasn't fooling around here when he's talking about the power of prayer. Now, preachers get prayer requests 
often. Sometimes they're very, very serious and sometimes maybe not quite so serious. A preacher received a number of prayer requests from children over a period of time and he put them on a piece of paper and shared them with his congregation. I thought you might enjoy hearing what some of these kiddos asked the preacher. Uh, Teresa, age eight, said, Dear Pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish he would give me an A on my report card. That way I could be sure he loves me. Debbie, age nine, says, Dear Pastor, could you say a special blessing for my Aunt Beatrice? She's been looking for a husband for 12 years and still hadn't found one. Wesley, age nine, Dear Pastor, do I have to say grace before every meal, even when I'm only having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Justin, age nine, Dear Pastor, thank you for your sermon on Sunday. I will write more when my mother explains to me what you said. Lori, age 10, dear pastor, please pray for all the airline pilots. I am flying to California tomorrow. (laughs) Jackie, age 9, dear pastor, we say grace every night before before we eat dinner, even when we have leftovers from the night before. (laughs) And then Julie, age 9, dear pastor, I say my prayer before I eat my supper, but my mother still makes me finish my spinach and drink my milk. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes... Prayers can be funny, but oftentimes they're not. It's a wonderful privilege that we have as believers that we can come to God in prayer. In fact, God inhabits the praise and the prayers of His people. He loves it when we talk to Him. He loves it when we converse with Him like we would on the cell phone. He loves it when we would just talk to each other. And he loves it when we talk to him in the same manner. Through prayer, we can receive mercy and grace to help us, according to Hebrews 4, in our time of need. In Philippians 4, through prayer, we can find peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. The privilege of prayer assumes, however, that God will heed our prayers. I I worked with a preacher one time who told me that God was obligated to answer our prayer. Now, I struggle with the word obligated. I don't know that God is obligated to do anything that we tell Him to do or ask Him to do. So I asked the preacher, I said, are you sure that's what you mean? He said, well, yeah, that's what the Bible says. I said, can you show that to me? He said, well, it says knock, answer, and he'll, or knock, and he will come in, he'll answer. I said, well, yeah, but isn't there a condition to that? And so we began to talk more about that, and, and, and we were both able to grow in our understanding of prayer. But so often we use God as this bellboy that we can call on, and he's going to come and give us everything we want. Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Or would it? <laughs> or would it? The privilege of prayer assumes that God will heed these prayers. And not all prayers are acceptable to God, according to Proverbs 28, verse 9. Indeed, God does not hear the prayers of all men, according to Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, in 1 Peter 3, 12. In 1 Peter 3, 12, it says, Men, God doesn't hear your prayers if you're not treating your wife correctly. Uh-oh. 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 Well, women are supposed to submit. I'm the the head of the household. She won't submit to that. Why should she? You're a dictator. You're You're not a leader. 
A woman learns to submit when you show her how to do it. You for preaching to meddling. It got quiet in here, didn't it? Jesus described the prayer of one man who did not please God in Luke 18. Remember that prayer? Oh God, I am so thankful I'm not like that man right over there. Who are you? <laughs> so do we know what qualities, what Prayer that pleases God. In His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had much to say about prayer, especially the kind of prayer that finds favor in God's eyes. So we're going to look at our our text in Matthew 6. We're going to focus on verses 5 through 15 this morning, where Jesus taught the disciples regarding prayer. But first we find Jesus telling us what not to do. So no-nos about prayer. First of all, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. If you look at verse 5, it says they stand in the synagogues and on the street corners. And they do it so men will see them and go, Wow! Wow! Ever been around somebody like that? They're so over-spiritualized, they turn you off. They tell you that, I mean, they just come up with some of these lame brain thoughts and it just drives you nuts. If I get up and I don't feel good today, it's not because I'm evil. It's not because I don't believe in God and don't have prayer in my life. It's just I've had a rough night. I mean, that happens, amen? We can get up and be very tired. I woke up this morning before my alarm went off. Somebody told me it's because I felt guilty. I said, yeah, I felt guilty. I woke up early. (laughs) Why shouldn't I I sleep long enough to wait for the alarm to go off? Well, I don't want to bother Cindy, so I go ahead and get up and turn my alarm off so it didn't bother her, so she can sleep better. Amen. Don't you feel good about me then? Aren't you wanting to... what? I didn't figure you'd say it out loud. Okay, that's fine. But look what he says. He says, they have their reward in full. They have their reward. They have been seen by men, and that's the extent of their reward. They want men to praise them for how spiritual they are. You know anybody like that? Oh, it just drives you nuts. Everything is, I praise God, praise God, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, oh, you're not praying enough, oh, you're not, you're not enlightened enough, oh, you're not in the Word enough, oh, no, you're not. I want to follow them around and let them, let them hit their thumb with a hammer and see if they don't yell, praise God. Now, some do. If you're on Don Baker and he hits his hand with a hammer, he'll say, well, praise God. And it does help you. It really does. Anytime you have a turmoil or you have something in your life, turn that to praise and it will get better. It will. Mainly because it gets your focus on the right things. I was in the uh, ATM line at the bank this week. And I was right behind. There was two cars in front of me. I was looking down at my phone and all of a sudden, boom, into the front of my car. 
the woman got her money out of the ATM and decided to back up because she needed to get back in line to change and break the 20 that she got out of the ATM. Oh, I looked. I didn't see you. I said, praise God. I got out of the car and I went around and I looked at the front of my bumper. I didn't see that she had hit it in any way possible. Even though I had hit it once before and left a big old scratch on it, I guess I could have said, oh, look at what you did. But I said, eh, no big, no big deal. She goes, well, do you want my insurance information? I said, mm, no. And she just looked at me. Her eyes got really big. I just said, would you not back up in the ATM line now? Can you? She, she did. She drove around like she should have. You don't get ATM money and then back up. Please. But I was angry when she, when I, you know, she hit my car. I got really mad for a brief moment. And I thought, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. So I got out looking like I was really mad. She was just this little bitty girl. Well, she was a woman. She had kids in the car. I could have slapped her around. You know, I could have. I could have cussed her out. And I almost did. Nah. Life's too short, isn't it? But what I hoped I did was by answering her and responding to her in a positive way, made her day go better. No, I mean, you know, she, she could have tore up my car, could have tore up her car. And what's interesting is she has the backup thing in her car <laughs> on her bumper. That's what I thought was really funny. When I looked at it, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. But see, if we stand on the corner and we want people to recognize how spiritual they are, well, that's all we're going to get. That's all you're going to get. I would rather someone else point out how great a believer I am by the way I live, by the consistency of my words. If I give you my word, shouldn't that be enough? Well, we ran across a great deal this morning. Let's see if I can get to it here. Got to read this to you. Judas, all of you remember who Judas was? Judas had the best pastor, the best leader, the best teacher, the wisest teacher, the best friend. And he failed. The problem isn't the leadership or the church you go to. If your attitude doesn't change or your character transformed, you'll always be the same. Wow. You know, that's true, isn't it? It is so true. So true. So we need to make sure that our lives are consistent in how we work and serve God. Because they had already received their blessing, already received the reward. And you see, Jesus, it's also important to know that Jesus is not condemning all public prayer. Because he himself prayed in public in Matthew 11 and John 11. Paul prayed in public in Acts 27. And so we need to understand that the emphasis is the same as we find in Matthew 6, verse 1, where it says, Do not do your deeds of righteousness before men to be seen by them. So then how are we to pray to be heard by God? Well, let's talk about the prayer that pleases God. Andrew Murray is a great pastor of years ago. A woman went to him with a problem of feeling she, did, she couldn't pray. And he said, Why then do you not try this? As you go to your inner chamber, however cold and dark your heart may be, 
Do not try in your own might to force yourself into the right attitude. Bow before Him and tell Him that He sees uh, that He sees in what a sad state you are, and that you are only your only hope is in Him. Trust Him with a childlike trust to have mercy upon you and to wait upon you. And in such a trust, you are in a right relationship to Him. You have nothing. He has everything. The woman later told uh, Pastor Murray that his advice had helped her. She discovered that her trust in Christ's love for her could help her pray even when prayer did not come easily. So, in order to please God with our prayers, we have to offer prayers to be seen of God, not men. To be seen of God. Look at Matthew 6 and verse 6 where he says the main idea there is to pray in secret. The sincere and humble worshiper, one who is not interested in making a public display for the sake of enhancing his prestige, will find the secluded nook or den to be most appropriate for his devotions. I remember Russell Koretz sharing this story with me that he had been in his prayer closet. He actually went into a closet in their house to pray. And when he came out of the closet, his young son Matthew was in a posture of prayer in the room outside the closet door praying like his dad was praying. Now, why is that important? Because Russell wasn't trying to show him how or teach him how or instruct him how. He was doing it so his son saw him do it. And he he mimicked and copied what he saw his dad do. You want your children to be children of the Word? Let them see you read the Word. You want your children to be uh, people that speak nice? Let them see you speak nice. It's hard sometimes. I got you. It's hard. There's been times that I'm surprised our three children made it to adulthood. There are times. There were times when, uh, you know, I was ready to pray with them with my hand around their throat, squeezing tightly, and listening to them gasp for air. That would have been a great prayer time. But God taught me different. But if you want your children to grow up and to be godly people, let them see you be godly. The person who prays much in secret is praying to be seen of God, not men. And then we need to have prayers offered to be heard of God, not men. Look at verse 7 when he talks about vain repetitions. On and 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 on. About the same old stuff, same old stuff, same old stuff, same old stuff. As often was practiced by the heathen religions, they tried to tire out their gods with such endless prayers, mere formulas repeated over and over again. The Jews had those types of prayers. Some have accused the Catholics of having those types of prayers around their rosary. And sometimes you wonder if... And and I've seen it within our own churches where people will pray these same prayers over... You know, especially we don't really have men at the table praying like we did when I was growing up. You'd have the elders come up and one would pray for the the communion and and then another one would pray for the offering. And when the ones that were playing for the communion, don't you... you, you know, if you knew who it was and you'd been there enough times, you could say the words with them because they say the same prayer every time. It's kind of like the elder that got up to pray and he said, Lord, would you bless our falling shorts? And he stopped. 
Because see, we say some funny things. Another one stood up and he said, Lord, would you bless this fruit of the loom? He was going fruit of the vine. Had his mind somewhere else, didn't he? So we have to be careful about these repetition things that we say and we, they, lack instance, they, they lack sincerity. We have to be very careful. But repeating things in prayer when they're focused in the right way is not a bad thing. Jesus did when the Garden of Gethsemane. Didn't he pray more than once if this cup can pass from me? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, asked three different times for the thorn of, of the flesh to be removed. So there's times when that repetition is good. But don't get caught up in it. Because your Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask Him. Prayers to be heard by God do not have to be filled with unnecessary words, kind of like sermons. Oh, well, there was your opening. God is not swayed by the quantity of words, but by the quality of the heart those words come from. Then prayers that please God are offered according to the pattern. The phrase, in this manner, suggests that this prayer is a pattern for praying, not a religious exercise as something practiced. The pattern of proper prayer is this. First, it's simplicity. Notice the word, therefore. Connects what follows with what was said before. Jesus' pattern for prayer was an illustration in contrast to the many words used by the heathens. In prayer, in the prayer itself, note the brevity of the words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He just kept moving. He didn't spend a lot of time there, but he used key words to, to convey key concepts. Then in its content, prayer includes this. Reverence for God in His name. Verse 9. Prayer for the progress of God's kingdom and His will on earth. Verse 10. Asking for physical necessities in verse 11. Also asking for spiritual needs. The forgiveness of sins in verse 12. Protection and deliverance from evil in verse 13. Also praising God in verse 13. And prayers that please God are those that are offered with a merciful spirit. When you look at this pattern of prayer that Jesus is teaching. Look at verse 12, verses 14 to 15. There's mercy in that heart. Giving, forgiving, as you have been forgiven. You don't forgive, He won't forgive. You forgive, He will forgive. We can't expect mercy for ourselves if we're not willing to extend mercy. And if you have had mercy extended to you, then it's easier to extend it to others. Amen? If you've tasted the grace of God in your life, it's, easy to, it's easier to extend that grace. Yeah, but preacher, you don't know how they've hurt me. I know. I got you. But don't carry the burden of unforgiveness around. It's hurting you. It's not hurting them. Well, I'll never talk to them again. Well, they'll be fine with that. <laughs> but you'll still stew about it every time you see them. What good is that? Doesn't do any good. There must be, and this must be very important to Jesus, for this is the only part of the pattern on which he spends a little extra time. So, why is all this important? 
It's not the only occasion which Jesus taught on prayer. Later, his disciples would ask him to teach them to pray in Luke 11. He taught them about the importance of persistence, faith, and humility in prayer in Luke 11 and Luke 18. But in this particular sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sought to stress prayer that is designed to be seen by God, not man, to be heard by God, not man. And who knows better what kind of prayer that is than he who now sits at the right hand of Almighty God. If we believe that God hears prayers, according to Psalm 65 and verse 2, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, according to Hebrews 11 and verse 6, then let's be sure we offer the kind of prayer that pleases God. George Mueller was a missionary, and things looked bleak bleak for the children in the orphanage at Ashley Downs in England. It was time for breakfast. And there was no food. A small girl whose father was a close friend of George Mueller was visiting in the home. And Mueller took her hand and said, come and see what our father will do. In the dining room, long tables were set with empty plates and empty mugs. Not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there was no money in the home's account to buy food. So George Mueller prayed, Dear Father, we thank Thee for what Thou art going to give us to eat. Immediately, immediately, they heard a knock at the door. And when they opened the door, there stood the local baker. Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you had no bread for breakfast, so I got up at 2 o'clock and baked fresh bread. Here it is. George Mueller thanked him and gave praise to God, and soon there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. <laughs> so he said he would like to give the children the milk so he could empty his cart to be able to repair it. Sometimes we don't have because we don't believe and we don't ask believing. Father, I ask you this morning as we come to the close of our service today, would you be very real in us today? Would we sense your presence today? And Father, would there be maybe just one person who might respond to you today? God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we find in your son Jesus. And Father, may we become people of prayer. May we understand the importance of it. That we're not to stand on the street corner and draw attention to ourselves. But we're to find that inner place where we can spend alone time with you. And God, we thank you for those that are doing that. And encourage those who aren't to begin. Father, today, if there's a decision to make, anyone has today, would they do it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a great song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And if God's tugging on your heart to make a decision, would you this morning?